Education is good. Everybody needs educating, needs to understand what they're getting into. So a syndication, which is what you put together, at its core, it is nothing more than education. What's going on, guys? This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Dr. Adam Gower from GowerCrowd.com. Today, we're talking about crowdfunding, private placements, and what the differences, similarities, likenesses, and all those things are not. You might have some uh, miscorrections or, or misconceptions in here to be corrected. I, I think I did. I'm, I'm thinking about things a little differently now uh, after talking with Adam. We also get into a little bit that if you're looking at investing in a crowdfunded deal, what you can or should expect from crowdfunding platforms and where some you know due diligence responsibilities might lie. The answer, at least Adam's answer, might not be what you expect. So if you're interested in crowdfunded real estate, then this is the one to listen to. He has an enormous resume, so much experience in investments, finance, risk mitigation, and now crowdfunding that he's such a great source to learn these topics from. I learned a lot today, and I'm sure you will as well. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Boat. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator, I buy real estate with passive investors and share the return. Love talking about these topics. I love learning new things from some amazing experts like our guest today. And you are going to learn a lot as well. Without any further ado, here we go with Dr. Adam Gower from GowerCrowd.com. Adam, thank you for joining us today. An enormous pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's great to talk with you. Today, we're going to talk a bit about crowdfunding, which is not really a topic we've delved into on the show a lot in the past. But before we get into that, could you tell the listeners a bit about your experience and introduce us into uh, what you do in your background? I sure can. Probably spend about a month doing that. So I'll try and keep it brief for your sake and for everybody else's. I am, and by the way, I'm just pulling up some notes here so that I can take notes while I'm talking. So there we go. Ready. So I am a uh, veteran real estate developer, investment, and finance guy. I started actually in 1982 uh, financing multifamily developments in Southern California. And from there, there was a, a major downturn at the end of the 80s known as the savings and loan crisis. Probably before you were born, I'm guessing anyway, but something around then anyway, 1990 or so, I headed (laughs) off to Japan where I was uh, recruited by a joint venture of Universal and Paramount Studios to run all of their real estate development in Asia Pacific. So I got a huge institutional exposure there. Then I came back and in around 2000, so 10 years later, and started doing my own deals. I uh, did a little bit of uh, tech investing as well in the dot-com bubble right before that. I managed to get out just in time. And then in 2007, I got out of the real estate development business as well. I sold my entire portfolio right before the market crashed. Wow. And I was brought into a major bank by the board of directors to assist the bank to clean its balance sheet. It's done a lot of real estate lending. 
So I was put in charge of a large portfolio of non-performing real estate collateralized loans that I either had to work out or sell. From there, I went to uh, Gore Capital, actually. So I was then brought in to run a $200 million fund. I did a billion dollars at the bank. And then I came in to build a, uh, to start buying $200 million fund. I was in charge of that to buy distress notes. Is this too much, by the way? You've just got to tell me, shut up. You've had enough already. Not at all. Going off. Just say you're done, right? Like, just do this with your arms and I'll know I'll just stop talking. (laughs) You'll be all right. Um, And then anyway, so then I went on to Colony Capital, who were one of the biggest private equity funds in the world. And I was, uh, I worked on a a $7 billion portfolio that the FDIC, they bought with the FDIC. So that was also distressed stuff. Now we come up to date from there. So all the market then picked up and all this amazing distressed real estate went away. I was making a really good income during that time. I like times of turmoil. It's always opportunity. And I started doing um, seed investing, angel investing. And what I found was that I was being pitched by these young kids, right? basically late teens, early 20s. And they were trying to get me to invest in their startups. Taylor, it was like a foreign language to me. I had no idea what they were talking about. What is a funnel? What's uh, auto-responding emails? What's a podcast? I mean, really zero. I knew nothing. And then the Jobs Act was passed in 2012. And connecting the dots between... Uh, the Jobs Act, and just in case you're not sure what that actually did for real estate, was it allowed real estate developers, syndicators, for the first time in history to advertise. Very simply stated, that's what it did. Obviously, a lot of moving parts, a lot more complicated than that. But having started to learn the language of digital marketing and seeing the laws changing and realizing that you could now actually raise money online and didn't have to do it in person, as I've always done throughout my entire career. I put two and two together and have created a a business uh, called Gower Crowd, or at my website, Gower Crowd, where we build sophisticated digital marketing systems to help real estate developers raise money and to help investors find places to invest. That's it in a nutshell. Nice. Brought us full circle. And, uh, you know, like I said, we haven't really talked about crowdfunding on the show before. We usually, in the syndication space, we talk more about uh, private placements. But I do know that, you know, listeners that I've spoken with either have invested in crowdfunding deals or are interested in learning more about the space and, and how to evaluate deals, what to look for. And, Really, how to kind of compare them to you know private placements, at least in their own head. So, can you first at least like give us a, a kind of an overview of what's mostly out there in the crowdfunding space? Like, what you're going to find if you go look at crowdfunded real estate deals? Maybe that's a pretty broad okay. question. <laughs> uh, well, no, but it's actually a really easy one to answer. So, uh, Taylor, you told me that you do private placements. Mm-hmm. Give me ten seconds. What does that mean exactly? So we do. 506B syndication. So we put together an investment opportunity and present it to our network of investors who we already know. We do not publicly put those 
deals out there. And for our deals, our investors can be accredited or not accredited and sophisticated, which gets into whole you know SEC definitions. But there are a lot of things in there that are different uh, crowdfunded deals. No, actually not. That oh. is crowdfunding. Syndication. So I'll tell you exactly where the term crowdfunding came from. Let's gotcha. wrap this to its core. Because all you're doing is syndicating. That's all you're doing. Mm-hmm. And crowdfunding is nothing more than syndication. That's all it is. So the term crowdfunding, as it is applied to real estate, is almost a misnomer. And the, the term came from within the Jobs Act itself in 2012. 2012 Jobs Act threw the switch and allowed for general solicitation, meaning that you can go out to the general public and tell them, who you are and what you do. It's an important distinction. That's not solicitation. That's not what we do. But you go out and tell people what you do. Embedded in the Jobs Act was regular of 2012 was regulation crowdfunding, regulation CF. It was just a little piece of a very big act that had a lot of moving parts. And it became known as crowdfunding. Everything's kind of you know, painted with the same brush, this idea of crowdfunding. But the real change that was brought about was simply that it allowed for general solicitation for you to go out. Now, you might not under Reg 506, uh, 506, uh, Reg D 506B feel comfortable, right, going out and saying, invest with me. But what you can and absolutely should do and are doing by very virtue of the fact that you and I are talking right now is you can publicize yourself and your business. That's all it is. As soon as you move from education, which is what you're doing now, as soon as you move from educating the general public to saying, send me money, (laughs) invest in my deal. (laughs) Now, suddenly you're getting into securities laws, but everything up until that point in terms of education, that's all entirely legitimate. You can educate. Education is good. Everybody needs educating, needs to understand what they're getting into. So a syndication, which is what you put together at its core is nothing more than education. When you meet an investor for the first time, one of your tech investors comes to you, right? One of your CEOs that's already in one deal, and they say, Taylor, I want you to meet my friend. He's also running a similar company or he's a doctor or whatever it is. When you go and meet that person as a syndicator doing a private placement, the first thing you do when you meet them is not say, Here's the contract and wiring instructions. Please send me money. You do not solicit in that first meeting. What you do in that first meeting, as you know, is you tell them about your background. You tell them where you came from. You talk about your track record. You explain the kind of real estate you're investing in. You talk about, you know, kind of general philosophy of, of real estate investing. And in fact, that might take longer than just one meeting. That might and probably does take a series of many meetings, dozens possibly, over a long period of time 
before somebody actually writes you a check, they have to get to know you first. That's the syndication business. It takes time to establish a relationship before somebody gets to know, like, and trust you enough to send you a check. That at its root is basically all crowdfunding is. All we do, that's you are crowdfunding when you do that. You're meeting people, educating them, and then eventually soliciting money from them for a deal. What we do is we automate that entire process. You're a nice guy, Taylor. I know you can tell. Right? You got a nice smile. You got a good background. You, you know, if you were near me, I would, you know, you're a martial artist. You want to say whatever you want to do to say, don't worry. Uh, but as nice as you are, at the end of the day, nobody really wants to sit down with you for two hours while you pitch them a deal. They don't. Yeah. And you being honest with them. You really don't want to be going through the same story again and again and again with investors time and again. So what you do, and this is what the Jobs Act did, it just opened up real estate syndication, private placement to automation, opened the window to the possibility of digitizing your entire background and some basic information on who you are and delivering it on a phone or on a computer or via a podcast or in an article or whatever it is, so that your investors can come to learn who you are in their own time, whenever they want, wherever they are. And the, at the point of you actually inviting them to invest, they already know you. You don't have to go through all that process. So I would describe crowdfunding as that process. Not the process of syndication, because that's it's the same thing as syndication. It's been around forever. It's the same thing as private places. They're all private places. True. Yeah, what yeah. crowdfunding yeah. is, is the ability to digitize, or not the ability, but the process of digitizing your story so people can consume it in their own time. So I suppose, you know, colloquially, when at least I use the word crowdfunding and when I hear someone use the word crowdfunding, either in a conversation or on bigger pockets, whatever. They're talking about a crowdfunding platform that's you know doing deals under a different part of the, the code than say Reg D 506B or C, maybe C, but they're doing a different type of deal and there's a, a like a platform involved and they're doing you know much more, they're automating that process to do, um, to yeah, put it more so in the terms of what you're saying. Exactly. So, <clears throat> so what I'm Merged out of the Jobs Act was a was an intersection between commercial real estate syndication and private placements and tech. And if you think about uh, the MLS, the Multiple Listing Service for Single Family Homes, or CoStar or LoopNet for commercial properties, what people do on those platforms is they list. They will put a, a single building, might be an office building, up for sale. Right, you buy that office building. It's a marketplace, if you think about LoopNet. So sellers list their buildings, or the MLS, your seller house. And buyers come to that marketplace online, that virtual marketplace, and they look for buildings to buy. They say, I'm going to buy that building, that whole building there. Or if you're buying a home, I'm going to buy that house. Well, all the crowdfunding sites are, are the exact same as that, but instead of selling whole buildings, they are selling securities, essentially, but stock 
in those buildings, in the business plan that a sponsor puts forward. So a sponsor might say, I need $10 million for this particular project. And instead of going out to raise that money from one person, they put it on a marketplace and they say, look, are you interested in this office building? This is the business plan. It gives this kind of yield. We're going to do some improvements and you're going to, you know, we're projecting that you're going to grow your, we're going to make this much profit. Are you interested? So in the same way as LoopNet or the MLS lists whole properties, 100% of the stock in an individual property on the crowdfunding sites, all they're doing is selling small shares of individual buildings at the end of the day that come with business plans, right? That's basically all they are. They're just marketplaces for small shares in deals instead of buying a whole deal yourself. So I think one of the biggest questions that comes up about these deals that people look at, you know, again, on the forums or when you're talking to someone about um, a particular deal they saw on a crowdfunding platform, they might ask something like, how much due diligence did the platform do? Or what can I expect the platform to have done in terms of vetting this deal? How much work do I have left to do on checking the deal out? What are your thoughts about that? And you know, from your experience, how much due diligence are these platforms doing on deals? Well, the first question that I would have is how much due diligence is the sponsor doing, frankly? The, re- the responsibility is on the sponsor, not on the platform. You need to know, as an investor, is the sponsor credible? Do they have a track record? Do they know what they're doing? Have they done it before? Do they know how to underwrite a project? Do they understand the tax implications of buying a bill? That's a major issue. Uh, Do they understand entitlement risk? Do they understand market risk? How have they underwritten the project? Have they looked at best, worst, and uh, best? worst and most likely scenarios? How have they stress tested their underwriting, et cetera, et cetera? That's the first point right there. You've got to look at the sponsor. It's not the platform's responsibility to vet that. However, that's your responsibility as the investor. You need to establish a relationship with that sponsor. That means, ideally, that the sponsor has a robust educational platform that you can go through to determine whether or not they are credible. That's the first thing. If they don't, you've got to speak to them or look at whatever materials they do have or whatever they offer to determine whether or not they're credible and you trust them. What the platforms do is they add an extra layer to that. So what they say is, We've already done that work. Some of them, CrowdStreet, for example, Realty Mogul, Real Crowd, right? Some of them do this, some don't. But they say, look, we understand that understanding real estate is a high skill. So we're going to take some of the uh, burden of determining whether or not a sponsor and a deal is good from you by doing it ourselves. Now, it's not a perfect it's not a perfect scenario because there are all kinds of um, biases that are in, innately woven into the kinds of relationships that the platforms have with investors, that they have with sponsors, et cetera, et cetera. But they are basically saying we, are, we have a, stand, a set of standards that we apply to a sponsor 
to even allow them on our platform. And then we grade their deals according to, to these standards. So you can now take a look at their standards and you can decide if you're a busy professional, you can say, you know what? Somebody else has gone to the effort of screening the sponsor. So I don't have to. However, and so that's how a lot of people end up investing on crowdfunding platforms because they have their no like and trust uh, relationship is with the platform. They've determined the platform has the integrity and the ability to identify great deals for you. And then you just look at that screen. To do it really properly, though, you do want to be drilling down on the sponsor directly anyway, just to be sure yourself. But it does facilitate that. Look, it takes a lot of time to underwrite a deal, and it takes a lot of time to underwrite a sponsor. So if someone can say to you, look, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I understand this business and I like this deal. If you trust that person, right, the, the crowdfunding platform, for example, then you will have confidence enough then to place your money through them or on their word. It's kind of the same as a stockbroker. You think about the old stockbrokers who would say to you, look, you know, uh, I've been researching the tech industry and I think that uh, XYZ company is going to kill it this year. They've got this new product coming out. It's going crazy. They've launched it in a small market on the, in the, on the East Coast, selling like hotcakes. They're about to go national. Things are going to do great. What do you do as a, as a stock investor? You don't like research the company. You might, but you're going to listen to your stockbroker. And you're going to say, you know what? I, I, good. Let's put some money behind that. I'm with you. I like it. Because you like that deal, that stock, I'm going to invest. So what else have you got that you recommend? Well, I recommend you should sell this stock. All right. So why? Because this, that, sell that. It's the same thing. The, the, the crowdfunding sites, some of the influencers that are out there who have the credibility and the background to understand real estate serve as that intermediary that you can rely on once you, you, can, you can choose to rely on to make investment suggestions to you about where to put your money that saves you the trouble of having to do all the work yourself. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So I'll have to look out for those. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right. I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Am I ready? Is that the sponsor or is that me? We stick That's the me. sponsor in there. Ah, got the it. Right. Goes in there and sticks right. the sponsor. Round of applause for the sponsor. <laughs> First question. Three questions. Yeah, go ahead. What is the best investment you ever made? The best investment I ever made was the one I man made today. And the one that I made today, 25 years ago, was the best investment that I ever made. Just get active, get in the business, right? Learn the business and make investments. Don't look at the market and think, you know, it's too late. Prices, I look back 20 years, prices were that. Now look at what they are now. Well, you know what? Where do you think they'll be in 20 years? Get started, do it today. The best investment is the one you do thoroughly, you do today, and you sit on forever. Nice. I love it. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Gosh, the worst. I tell you what, you know what, Taylor, seriously. I actually, you can take this to the bank. I am absolutely perfect at predicting 
stock movement. I'm brilliant at it. Oh, yeah? Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Every single time I don't listen to my financial advisor and I decide to invest in a stock on my own, immediately my money hits the account and I buy the stock, it collapses. <laughs> Every single time without fail, it is totally predictable throughout my entire life. So the answer to that question is don't invest in something you don't understand. That is the worst investment you can make, is the one that is a gamble. And if you do, accept that you might lose everything. <laughs> it's the bottom line. The worst investment. That's the simple as that. Well, I'm not much of a stock picker myself, so I definitely uh, can relate to that. My favorite question here at the end of the show is, what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? Yeah. Uh, gosh, that is a, a good question. I, you know, the most important lesson is nothing's easy. It just isn't. Uh, that the most important thing is to stay in motion, irrespective of what's going on, as tough as the economy is, or as tough as life might get, and as hard as you might struggle with life or the economy or your career or what, whatever, is always take a step forward, always be moving forward and trying to stay in motion. I've found that that even if you don't know where you're going, I mean, most of my life, I've not had a clue what I'm actually intending to do, but I stay in motion. I, I figure something out and I find a solution. Like when I learned to speak Japanese, people say, well, why are you learning Japanese? What are you going to do with this? What, is it? what are you going to do with Japanese? Just, you know, I've got no idea. But when I speak Japanese, I'll figure it out. And I did. I ended up <laughs> running a division of Universal Studios. When I got my PhD, people said, why are you getting a PhD? What are you going to do with it? That's right. I said, no, I'm going to frame it. I'll put it on the wall, that basically. But now I've created a career out of being the only guy with basically, I'm only one of the only guys in real estate with a PhD. The same is true with, uh, with digital marketing. People ask why, when you start, people ask why you're doing it. When you finish or as you get good, they ask how you did it. And that is, uh, that's been kind of the guiding light. I've never really ever known why. And I've always looked back, but I've always understood how. That's interesting. Those are all interesting points. And it sounds like you've uh, done a lot of things and then figured out, I guess, on the back end, again, what you were going to do with it. Exactly. Right. Figure, get a new skill. Right? Figure, just constantly be learning, constantly be moving forward. You'll always find a way of applying it. Well, thank you for joining us today and teaching us about crowdfunding and correcting some misconceptions that I had about what I do. And maybe I should, I don't know, consider saying we crowdfund, we just do it a different way. I don't know. I got to figure something out, keep it compliant there. But uh, anyway, if folks want to learn more about you, if they want to get in touch, where can they find you? Thank you for asking. So my website is gowercrowd.com and I have a uh, contact page there. There is a massive amount of information about crowdfunding there for developers, for investors, and for just the idly curious as well. So go to gowercrowd.com. You'll find everything you need there, including a contact page. All right, great. Well, thanks once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciated, and it helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more 
wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thanks for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week. And we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.